All right, welcome back as we're live from Chartway Arena. We're here till uh, 6.30 tonight prior to ODU App State. We'll hand it over uh, the Detroit pregame at 6.30. Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf. Um, football at four. I don't know. I, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw this story today. Let, let's do some background here first. You guys probably remember the story during the season when the Eagles played the 49ers and Big Dom, as he was referred to, the security guy, Dom DeSandro, uh, the security chief of the Eagles, was suspended after this game because he and 49ers linebacker Drake Greenlaw got into it. He put his hands on Greenlaw, and at the time I was like, look, you can't, even if you think you're protecting your guys, you cannot touch another player if you're not a participant in the game. And this is what he did. He got suspended for the remainder of the season for the sideline. And, you know, the Eagles' year kind of spiraled after that 49er loss, as you probably remember. A lot of us thought maybe Jalen Hurts was hurt because he didn't look the same, wasn't playing the same. Uh, a lot of other things. Their defense was terrible. Their secondary was horrific. Uh, but longtime Eagles reporter Derek Gunn has offered some reasons as to why things went on the skids for Philadelphia, posting on the X that Big Dom controls head coach Nick Sirianni's emotions on the sideline and that in his absence Nick got in numerous arguments with players and coaches during the games. And again, the Eagles went into the free fall. Who knows? The Big Dom curse. Uh, they won just one more game. And, of course, gave up the division title to the Cowboys. That lone victory was the Christmas win over the, the uh, Giants, who obviously had their own issues. Sirianni, of course, admitted that he was too tense uh, during the game. You might remember that story. So the interesting thing here, I'll just say this about Derek Gunn. He's not a hot take artist. He's not some guy chasing headlines. He's covered the Eagles for a long time. He's got a podcast now in Philadelphia, was on TV forever there. He had a story last year. And he got pushback from the Eagles uh, players on it about um, some issues with, with Jalen Hurts in practice and, and the way he's playing. And the guy who pushed back against him, uh, if you remember, was A.J. Brown. Oh, and, yeah. And A.J. Brown was, like, overly, like, almost overly defensive at, at times with it and was kind of giving him. And, again, all, all he was saying was, like, look, he's had some days where, you know, he's not – Throwing the ball particularly well. That's, it wasn't like anything like, oh, my God, he's a terrible quarterback, whatever. But for whatever reason, A.J. Brown got really touchy about it and kind of went after Derek. So I, I just kind of remembered this as this Derek Gunn story comes up again. And this was like – this was it during the OTAs last year, right? And now here we are in February, and we're hearing this stuff. And, again, for, coming from Derek, who's pretty plugged in with the team. But the fact that, you know – that Sirianni needed an emotional support pet or an emotional support bodyguard in this case, and Big Dom, it kind of tells you a lot of what you could already think about him, right? Like, this is kind of how people thought. Like, he was over the top. Remember, he's crying during the national anthem last year at the Super Bowl. Like, oh, that's kind of nice. But it's so funny how different a year makes from seeing that. And, again, the guy has been in the playoffs every year. I just want to remind everyone. That, that is true. They have been in the playoffs. They have not been a terrible team. Now, they did bottom out last year. Big time, right? Like, they bought about big time. But this is weird. Like, this, this, the fact that he needed somebody, and there was nobody else in that staff, and clearly he's fired most of them, right? He fired Brian Johnson. He fired um, the guy he promoted to be the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, in um, sloppy Matt Patricia. Fired the other defensive coordinator who he had in the, you know, to replace uh, Gannon, Jonathan Matt Desai, Gannon. Yeah. yeah, Matt Desai. So, I mean, this is a dude that does look like, he needs somebody to be next to him, helping him. Right? Like he does. He does, He needs somebody, and he didn't. And he didn't trust his own people this past year. It's just weird because, like you said, we always kind of knew this about him. 
But if this, this actually ends up being true, you actually needed another person to help you not argue with players and coaches on the sideline during the game. I mean, everybody gets a little fired up. We see, you know, some, sometimes things happen in the moment, but this makes it seem like it was all the time. And maybe yeah. that's a little bit over the top, but if you really need somebody that, if it's really that important to have somebody there to level you off, dude, you're the head coach of an NFL team. You've got to be able to keep yourself in check. How can you ask your players to, to do this in situations where the play's breaking down or whatever, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You've got to make sure you, you're, you're locked in. And, dude, you're not locked in without some guy there to help you? That's weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it is weird. And I, I think we've, we've learned one thing from this offseason with the fact that they've had to go out and get, get a new OC, a new DC. They have they've got a situation where if they don't have a, a kind of a bounce-back season, right, like a division title or advancement in the postseason, it's going to be really hard for them to continue with this guy. And I mean, it better happen early, too, yeah, by the way. Right, it, it better be a good start. I, I do think, and I know it sometimes feels like, holy hyperbole, you're putting this guy on the hot seat already, but I do feel like he's already there. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any question. I think that's real. I think if you look at the, um, the way they conducted the offseason after it happened, I mean, they kind of took their time a little bit, this, you know, to, to sh- shut people up who were talking about, oh, they might hire Bill Belichick or they might do that, you know, like, come on, this is crazy. But, no, I mean, this guy, despite all the wins, getting the Super Bowl in year two, you know, they took a big step back last year. And, and don't forget, too, he was brought in there as an offensive guy, right? right? Like, he's supposed to be this offensive guy. And even in year one, he turned over the play calling to uh, Brian Johnson at that point because he just felt like it was just too much for him and he wanted to be more of, you know, the, the uh, overseer of everything with the team. And then, you know, that went pretty pretty well for them. Obviously, in year two, they had an excellent season, you know, went to the Super Bowl. But this year it goes sideways. And I, and I still, like, always like to say, need a 30 for 30 on it. I need, I need to find out. Like, I need, I need more than just Big Dom, my security pet, uh, or my emotional pet support, right? By the way, what's the weirdest emotional support pet you've ever seen in, in your life, like, going around? I saw – I didn't actually see this with okay. my own eyes, but I saw this on, on social media at one point. Okay. It was an emotional support peacock. That's weird. That somebody um, actually got onto an airplane. That's weird. So I, I was at the airport, and it must have been – it was New York, yeah. And this person had an emotional support rabbit, and they took it out of the cage, and the thing was hopping all over the terminal. <laughs> and it was the point where they were having a hard time getting it back into the cage, and I'm thinking – I mean, what does it take to get the emotional support little, you know, like I guess it's, is it a poncho? It's like a vest that dogs, or, or, or in this case the, the rabbit was wearing, uh, that they give them. I mean, it's just really, like it seems like a very low bar these days for emotional support pets. Uh, I've seen I've seen a, a lizard, like an emotional yeah. support lizard. Does that count as weird? Maybe. That's very weird. I don't know. In, th- in this case, did Dom, I don't remember him having that on the sideline that said emotional support coach or anything like that. It was just security. But again, maybe, you know, security means a lot of different things for yeah, a lot of different people, right? Yeah, he's securing Nick Siri from everyone else. Yeah, he's securing Nick Sirianni's feelings um, and emotions <laughs> during the football game. But, but I kind of feel like the more I've learned about Big Dom, I'm going to have to reset my, my calculus on him and say, maybe this is the guy the Eagles need to be promoting, right? Like maybe Big Dom should be running the whole dang show. I don't know if he knows anything about football, but it sounds like Big Dom might have a higher should have like a higher level job with the Eagles organization. I also didn't realize the Big Dom was a, was a big teddy bear. I didn't realize he was a <laughs> snuggly bear. I have no idea. It's very strange. But anyway, Big Dom, 
his suspension through the whole season down the toilet for the Eagles. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, I mean, seriously, and I know we got a few of you out there, although you've been hiding on me for a while here. I mean, what are your feelings when you hear your head coach needed the security guy to keep him in check, and once that guy was not available for multiple weeks, your season went in the, went in the toilet? I mean, that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence about whether or not Nick Sirianni's ready to turn this thing around and has made the right hires and you know has got everything the way he needs it. That's that would be a as they call it a red flag in the business. For I don't me. think that plays well in Philly. That's just I me. can't imagine it plays well in Philly either. Um, you know I, I can't imagine that either. That is uh, an interesting thing. Uh, anyway, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. But you know, like Dom, uh, not Dom. Dom's not on the hot seat. Apparently, Dom is ready to be promoted. Uh, if I was Dom, I'd hold out for more money. Um, but it sounds like Nick Sirianni. Is a very important season in front of him. But he's not alone in that division. We'll rate uh, the other two coaches and uh, Nick Sirianni and try to find a pecking order who's got the seat that's hotter before we've even gone to an OTA practice, uh, let alone free agency or, you know, the, the draft. We'll get to that on the other side. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1, Football at 4, coming to you live from Chartway Arena here on Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. You are listening to The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Back inside Chartway Arena, uh, ODU App State tonight. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30. Ted Alexander uh, and Dennis Wolf with the Toyota Pre-Game Show. All right, so we were just talking about Nick Sirianni's need for his emotional support bodyguard, uh, Big Dom. Uh, if you missed the report in Philly, uh, Derek Gunn saying that was part of the problem for the Eagles down the stretch was Big Dom's suspension after the 49ers game because he was the guy who could control the sideline, in particular control the coach, not the sideline, the con- coach who had issues with, um, I guess, getting along well with others. Is that the way to put it? I think that's a perfect way yeah. to put it. Is that like on his report card they said, you know, wh- wh- what did we decide yesterday, by the way? Was it an N or somebody gave us uh, another letter as to what it is when you have the bad report card? Um, that uh, you know tells you like you're not doing it, you're, like you can't get along well with others. I think Tom told me this. Let me find you. Thank you. Tom said it was a you. So like Nick Sirianni's report card and getting along with others, he got a you as a as a young as a youngster. I think maybe that's what it was. I think that's probably about right. All right, thank you for that yesterday, Tom. Tom was a teacher, I think, so Tom knew exactly what that was, or he got a lot of use in the day. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, all right, so here here's here's this thing I was thinking about after this. So we've we've talked a ton, you know, about. Dallas and Jerry Jones and, you know, last season for Mike McCarthy on this contract. And if barring an extension of any sort, looks like it's a show-me season for, for Big Mac. Um, I think there has been maybe less lately of the, oh, my God, what, is, what was the deal with Brian Dayball this year, right? Like there's been a lot less of that this year. But there was some of that when the offseason started. They called him the uh, – well, I think I referred to him as the chief blaming officer – uh, but he apparently was the guy that would be on the headset just crushing people with things that were happening during the game but offering zero solutions. So it feels like all three of those guys, Sirianni, Dayball, and, of course, Big Mac, are, are on the hot seat. Dan Quinn's not. He just got to Washington. Right, he's, I he's, can't he's imagine. The, safest, the weirdest thing to say, the guy in Washington's the safest guy. <laughs> I know. It's a whole new world, Says right? Says a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's only in year one, though. Let's, let's just give it some time. But, no, I, you know, anyway, he's safe. So those three guys, if I were to say to you, if we were doing a draft, you know, starting from first to third, first being the most likely, third being the least likely, um, how would you look at it? Because I, I still think 
you probably got to go with McCarthy number one based off of what the contract says and also now you're telling me Jimmy Johnson's like some type of advisor or something. He's like right. hanging around now. Wouldn't that be wild? How old is Jimmy Johnson? Did we look this up? He's, he's got to be almost is 80, 80, right? Is he 80? Could he coach again? I mean, if we, th- <laughs> if we don't think Belichick can, then Jerry's I guess he like, can. look, here's the one mistake I made. <laughs> if I just let Jimmy run this thing. I'm going to write the wrong. He's 80. No, there's no there's, way. There's I can't imagine. No, absolutely no way he'd want to do that. But anyway, so I still think it's McCarthy. I would then probably put Sirianni in there. And the Giants may actually you know, have, have the most reason to uh, freak out here. But I, I, I think they'll give Dayball at least another year. But, again, I, I've, I said to you before, if we're putting Bill Belichick in the middle of the room and you say which organization makes the most sense for Bill Belichick, if you know the history, it's actually the Giants. Like, Bill Belichick yeah. loves his time in New York as much as he loves New England. If you ever hear Bill Belichick, the two Bills thing uh, that was done by NFL Films, when they're talking about the Giants days like that was Camelot, you know? So I think that would be interesting to see uh, if it were to come down to that. I would just want to go on record as saying a couple weeks ago on Hot Take Tuesday, I did say that I thought there would be three head coaching openings in the NFC East, and the commanders not being one of them, obviously. So I'll preface my my list by saying that first. But I would definitely – I put Mike McCarthy at the top just because it's a lame duck type thing. And I still think he can he can pl- he can coach his way back into it. He can coach his way into an extension, but it's going to have to take a lot. I think Nick Sirianni is second because he's a bit of a lunatic, and yeah. I think Brian Dayball's third. And one of the reasons I say he's third is that, and call me crazy, go ahead. Brian Dayball's crazy. yet to be able to pick his quarterback. True that. He's not got no, a chance to do that fair. because of the Daniel Jones contract because they haven't really quite been in the position to pick one. And, no, I'm not counting Tommy Cutlets. Sorry, guys. So if, if they end up in a position to draft a quarterback, either this, maybe they trade up this year and, that, and that's his excuse. They're like, all right, we're going to go get you your guy. You better yeah. do this. So I think that's a reason you can kind of put him at three. But I still think all three of them could be gone. It's crazy, right? And, and then all three of them could be you know, people that you would say would go after Belichick. Yeah, you know, all three, all three of them could after you know he takes his sabbatical year or whatever he's going to do his gap year, he's going to go backpack in <laughs> Europe. Bill Belichick backpacking in Europe. I'd love to see uh. video. That would be a great Netflix series. Um, Greg and Gloucester says emotional control guard, <laughs> the Sirianni whisper. <laughs> it's pretty good. Greg's also freaking out. Apparently, there's the Broncos are listening to offers for Patrick Sertan the second. What are we doing? Uh, everybody's listening to everything. It's the offseason. I just saw like three fake trades about John Allen. I'm not going to take the cheese, as they say. Greg, I need you to get off Instagram immediately. Everybody's got the <laughs> little mock draft simulator that they run with all these crazy trades. You, you need a break, Greg. Put the, put, the, put the Instagram down for a bit. Oh, man. Uh, for the 804, if you guys continue as you're going, the five in five years, you're going to lose your jobs for making fun of the coach's emotional pain like you're doing with Sirianni. I don't know about that. I mean, is, it, uh, is he suffering from emotional pain or does somebody need somebody to calm him down? He just needs somebody to talk him off, to, 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 to be you know, like the corner man, right? Like, hey, he thinks we're going to last five years, though. I mean, I'll, t- I'll yeah, take that okay. right Yeah, okay. Well, I bat. appreciate it. Yeah, if we, you got five years for us, I could use that. So that's, that's like dog years in radio. Can in radio. That's I, can a I long get that time. in writing, please? <laughs> It's a long time. Uh, somebody in the 757 said that I was listening to the station earlier and heard Jimmy Johnson is taking a role. Yes, he is. Uh, associate of something. No matter what McCarthy does, unless he wins the Super Bowl, Jimmy Johnson will be the next Dallas coach. I got, uh, I got McCarthy f- uh, first. 
Sorry, I know it's not Hot Take Tuesday, but I had to do it, LOL. No, that's good, <laughs> right? That's yeah, good. No, that's I like fair. it. But, again, he'll be 81. He would be 81. I, I just don't see that happening. But if you've got somebody like Jimmy Johnson as, like, you, we talk about yeah. his committees all the time, right? If you get Jimmy Johnson as, like, the head of your committee yeah. to find whoever the next head coach is going to be, I have a little bit more confidence in Dallas picking the right guy if you've got somebody like Jimmy Johnson that Jerry might, might – listen to in that particular sense. Steve says Jerry Jones would not hire Johnson as a coach because he falls in the same trap for the 90 Super Bowl teams. Johnson gets all the credit. Jones is in his shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Good call, Steve. I love it. I love it. Uh, 757-687-9494. But it would be wild, right? Yeah. Um, it would be wild. Yeah, I, I think there, somebody's asked me, is there YouTube of the Parcells and Belichick thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's like, um, Is it a series it's called the Two Bills. Kind? The Two Bills. Uh, two, yeah, Two Bills is a 30 for 30 episode on ESPN from, oh, God, I was at the Super Bowl when I saw it. it I'd a, say check Netflix. I would Netflix say, yeah, it's it. from 2018. It's called the Two Bills. And, yeah, you can download it. Uh, I think it's on um, it's on Amazon right now. Um, I think could, Netflix has a lot of those 30 for 30s. Yeah, I think the 30 Check for 30s, although I just pulled it up on my old computer here, and I don't know if that's because I'm an ESPN Plus member, but I'm going to try to send it to this guy. I mean, if there's, yeah, if don't it's, tell on, on me, it's but probably I'm, on the Plus. Don't tell anybody. Well, I just you're send, just sending him a link to I'm it. I'm just sending him a link. I don't you're, know. You're, it's you're, it's not, it's you're not error, giving though. him your login information. Well, I know, but it's just giving me an error, so I don't know if it'll <laughs> work for you. But anyway, that's it. It's, it's great. And, again, they, they sit in the uh, Giants locker room, and it was really the first time, supposedly, the two of them had gotten together since – the weird breakup with the I Jets. They yeah. had some, like, icy – I don't want to – this is probably – but it kind of reminds me of a little bit of the Steve Alford-Bobby Knight thing, like, okay. in a different way. But, again, again, the difference is, you know, Bobby Knight and Alford weren't, like, working together, right? Like, there was player – but Bobby Knight was always kind of, like, annoyed with him for whatever reason, right? Maybe jealous might be a better term. But, anyway, but Belichick and Parcells worked together so close for a long time. Remember, he wanted him to be the Jets coach. He, t- he just he said, no, I want to check, you know, because he had been told, basically, from back channels that the Crafts wanted to talk to him to be the head coach of the Patriots. He would rather go there. And that for Parcells, that was like, you know, a knife in the back. You of know? course. Like, yeah. oh, my God, you're leaving the family kind of thing. And this is what Parcells – I've made created this for you. Although Parcells was, you know, also trying to uh, – to rush the retirement to make sure Belichick didn't leave because that was, I think, also something he had promised Woody Johnson and his crew because he was going to be the president. But anyway, I, it's a very good piece, and they kind of go through all these things and their time together. And um, it, if you see that, you, you'd say to yourself, all right, could this guy really coach another division rival in the NFC, especially Dallas? Yeah. Or even actually, to be honest with you, Philly, truth be told, Philly in New York – that's a worse, like in terms of like territorial rivalry, because you have a lot of spillover with people that live in South Jersey that are Philly Eagle fans, Philadelphia Eagle fans, and then you got the you know the people that live off the Turnpike are more like Giant fans. Yep, because you got that bleed over. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and then of course, if you're in north, the northern part of the state of New York, you're you're actually, you know, you're rooting for the Bills right now, especially since they're way better than both of those teams. Well, they're better than the Giants. <laughs> I don't know if they're better than the Eagles necessarily because they haven't been to the bowl recently, but you get my point. But, yeah, there's, there's a split up in the state of New Jersey, plus, you know, in part of New York is a lot of its bills, and then you got some Giants, and I guess, you know, the Jets people are out there too, I suppose. If the Jets and Giants don't get it together, that Bills stuff's going to come south if it hasn't already. Yeah, Hulu might be another uh, avenue for the uh, 30 for 30. Oh, yeah, because yeah, that that's yeah. in the, that that's the, in the Disney family. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about it. No question about it. 
All right, 757-687-9494 if you want to hit us up on the text line or the uh, Ballyhoo's phone line, 757-687-9494. But, yeah, this Jimmy Johnson thing is interesting, I, and I don't know. I mean, this is like Jerry Jones is – look, I give him credit. Like, he's, he's, he's um, uh, as they say, you know, getting all of his accounts in order, <laughs> you know, later in his life, life, you know, to make sure, you know, he's good. But the problem is you can't go back to the 90s and recreate that roster and that window that they shut on themselves. Like, they shut it on they their did. own fingers. Have you ever shut a window on your fingers and how painful that is? Have you ever shut your hand in a car door? That's Oh, bad. my God. They did all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jerry did all that stuff. Some, another part of his body he might have slammed in the window, too, when you think about it. But anyway, <laughs> oh. he, he, he just got in his own way. Uh, he got in his here. own way. Got in his own way. Cause all that, right, there we go. That thing was rather uh, rather on the on the verge of, of, of a severely – Big dynasty kind of run, the one of which at that point in the NFL we had not seen in a while, you know, since you got to go back to um, the Steelers. All right, 757-687-9494. And the Niners, too. You know, the Niners obviously had that in the 80s going to the 90s, too. All right, we're going to do this coming up. We'll um, get to some more of this NFL stuff. You want to keep uh, weighing in on that. But, again, the Sirianni story is just bizarro to me. And, you know, doesn't doesn't set up for really – for much room for a margin of error, I should say, this season for him and uh, Philadelphia. And we already know what the situation is in Dallas with Mike McCarthy, who's always got all eyes on him at all time. All right, we'll get to the update coming up here on the other side. Again, more in uh, football at four to get to. There's been some commander's roster-ish moves. And, yes, there are a lot of rumors about a John Allen trade, and I don't believe any of them. But I guess we could talk about it on the other side. Scott Jackson, Joe Priority on the Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. James Witham's got your sports center. This is the Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And we are brought to you by uh, Larry King Law. All right. So, you know, look, this is the offseason of what ifs and that time of year in the NFL. So nothing, nothing should surprise us or me, but, you know, yet every once in a while it does, right? Like, every once in a while you're like, are, are you serious? Well, there is a, um, again, and, and I, I almost want to kick myself for saying this out loud in front of a microphone, a Bleacher Report um, rumor. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. We're all here uh, for you. Trade proposal involving the commander's Jonathan Allen to the Green Bay Packers for what would bring back Washington a second-round pick, the 41st overall, and a fifth-round pick this year, the 168th. First blush, I say no. No, Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Here's the problem why I would say that uh, for the Washington side of it. Because, number one, I think Allen is their best defensive player. Small part to start. Small place to start right there. I don't think it's enough. And, you know, you've seen absolutely nothing um, if you're the commanders to make you believe that Oh, we'd be fine with just playing along with Teron Payne and you know Fidarian Mathis, who's you know barely played at this point, um, you know, and even you know throw in uh, you know anybody else on that mix that you want some of the depth guys that they've had that you'd feel okay about that for a, just a second in a you know again if you're talking about fifth round picks at that point, right? I mean that's like whatever you know that's I know I know what some of you're saying. Sam Howell, that's what a fifth-round pick is, you dummy. Okay, uh, but anyway. So I I don't know if you'd feel good going to the season with a John Ridgway combo with Deron Payne and and Fidarian Mathis. I wouldn't. And I know you can still draft others, but, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're getting enough out of that kind of deal. So 
I would say no thank you to that. Well, not only that, and you've made this point more than a couple of times in the show, is now you've got edge responsibilities. So you got you got to replace yeah. these two ed- edge guys that you traded away already. So now you're going to turn around and, and trade away your best interior defensive lineman. That just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, because, again, you're just creating needs, right? Like, that's the problem with these, these wonderful trade ideas. Oh, you got all these picks. Yeah, but you're just, like, slowly picking apart your roster and you have needs. Uh, just, just creating more needs for yourself uh, as, you, as you move down here. And I don't know if just having that extra second rounder, because it would then give you three second rounders, is going to be something that then will solve your edge issue with, with rookies. I think there's some guys, you know, on the roster that are interesting but very raw. I mean, they're very raw when you're talking about, you know, Andre Jones from Louisiana, who was a, who was a rookie last year, or if you're talking about, um, you know, K.J. Henry, who didn't see the field through, through until, I think, was it the New England game finally, and actually made some plays uh, for them and looked pretty good, the fifth rounder, so at a Clemson. But you, you just have, you know, you have two free agents and two Hill and Williams who were your de facto starters after you moved on from Allen and Sweat. Um, excuse me, not Allen and Sweat. Young and Sweat. Uh, Obata is also a free agent. So three of your, your top three DNs are already free agents. Maybe you keep one of those guys. Um, and then, you know, again, draft, free agency, all that kind of stuff. But just to, just to create more holes in your defense, getting away. If, I, I don't see giving away talented people for second-round picks does you much good here at this point. And you've already got, what, two second-round picks as it is. Not, yeah. not that it wouldn't be great to have two, sec- sure. two more second-round picks, but are you really going to be able to find a guy that's going to have the production of a Jonathan Allen in the second round? I kind of am thinking no. And, yes, you've got a lot of cap space, but you've got a lot of holes to fill on that other line, by the way, on the offensive line. I think that that's money better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I, I just to me it's just creating more things to worry about and more more holes to fill. And it's not like this team's in a cap issue, right? It's like, oh no. well, you'd clear yeah. yourself from the Allen contract. Well, so what? I mean, you still have you know, it, to me like he's the he's the core guy in defense. Uh, McLaurin is on offense. You you paid him for that, and I know different people did that. But you know, again, last year you literally just paid Payne last year too. So it just doesn't make sense to start over unless again you know in in this their philosophy that. They shouldn't be paying two defensive tackles that price, and you know maybe there is that. And then you're you're trying to figure out between Allen and Payne who has the most value. But again, you're just adding one more thing to go out and shop for this offseason. And this I don't is love not, that. yeah, that's not something this this team needs to be doing. Again, there's other worries that need to be addressed outside of this, and this is not something that you need to also throw on the plate on top of it. Plus, just think about the huge return you're going to get when you trade Hal anyway. I mean, this is going to get at <laughs> least two ones, according to some of the people <laughs> on my timeline, so you'll be fine. All right, 757-687-9494, uh, 757-687-9494. Hit us up via the uh, text line in the Ballyhoo's phone line. We're at Chartway Arena uh, tonight here till 6.30, pregame ODU App State with the Toyota pregame show, Ted Alexander. And Dennis Wolf come at you at that point. All right. The uh, the other thing from Commander's World that I saw today. Remember Kaz Allen? If I said Kaz Allen, would you remember who that was? I do remember who that is. Right, you have is. a good memory, though. So maybe not everybody. So he was the guy in, in training camp last year that everybody thought was going to make the team. Kid out of UCLA. He had a million return scores. He has, his ama- he has like the all-time record, I think, in the state of California high school, which is saying something, right, for, for touchdowns. And, and he, he was an amazing player. Smaller guy. But, man, when he, he played wide receiver, wasn't the best, and then he started dropping punts in preseason. Uh-huh. Like, after, like, having a really pretty strong training camp, then they got into these games, and he was really dropping punts. So every time 
somebody says to you, oh, well, these preseason games don't mean anything. Well, no, they really did because they needed to see if this guy in kind of a live situation against a team with another covered jersey that we're going to come down and you know decapitate you if you can actually catch a ball. And they found out, oh, God, he can't. Right, yep. <laughs> and I'd rather find that out of the preseason than say week one against whoever, right? Yeah. But they have brought him back. And also uh, Mason Brooks, who was this guard who got a lot of hoopla. Of course, they love to have guards uh, that are like on, you know, are going to be a couple members of the practice squad from last season that have been brought back to make the 90-man roster. Uh, Brooks was at Ole Miss and Western Kentucky in college. And he's a guy, I want to say, who did he flatten in practice? Was he the guy that flattened Chase Young or was it uh, he, he flattened a couple people in practice? He might have flattened Sweat as well. I think it was Chase Young. But I, in some one-on-one drills, he, he, had, he decapitated somebody. Or maybe it was one of the tackles. But this guy had some pretty good days at camp. But I think one of them was young, though. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember that. He had some good days uh, at, at training camp last year. So he's an interesting prospect. They never obviously got him on the field last year. So I would like to see you know, what he does if he, if he ever gets a chance you know, in a game at some point. If he's, if he's got anything about him or not. <clears throat> And, um, you know, he was one of these guys that caught coaches' attentions head-to-head, but yet, you know, much like the Rivera staff, they never actually put you on the field, even though they catch, if you catch your attention. Well, yeah, that, that happens. <laughs> yeah, but we got these guys that are, you know, we've, we've already locked into here. Sorry. Until they had to with those right. young guys on the defensive line right. after they shipped uh, right. Young and Sweat out the door, and they had to play the young guys. Oh, it was Phil Mathis was one of the guys he was dominating, and yeah. Was going against Chase Young, yeah, and, and did pretty well, too. I, I found it here, but, again, never, unfortunately, got to see him in, in live action at any point this season. So, he's been signed through. They certainly have room for offensive linemen, that's for sure. They got a lot of room for linemen, especially uh, at the tackle position. They could use some help there. You basically have one lineman. One. If we're really being Sam honest. Cosme, yeah, yeah. I, I would say Cosme. I, I don't know what the heck they're going to do at center unless they go, Str- you know, Ricky Strom- Stromberg, the rookie. Larson's a free agent; he's always injured. Um, although, but he's good when he plays. You know, he's he's a depth guy. Certainly, the the kid from the Giants with the stomach that was hanging out all the time, whose name I've forgotten now. Um, he wasn't he wasn't too great. Uh, Gates, yeah, Nick Gates, yeah, he wasn't too hot. Didn't do so well. But, again, you know, they have a new staff, so maybe, just maybe, they would be uh, able to get more out of them than this last group. It's hard to think you could get less out of players. Uh, via the text line at 757, says, Jerry Jones's ego would take a massive blow harder than a Mike Tyson uh, contact with a human jaw. <laughs> However, I anticipated something would evolve ever since Jimmy Johnson's explosion during the Fox halftime show. This would be the longest delayed apologies in the history of sports. I goofed, Jimmy. Should have held on to you. <laughs> wow. It would also be wild to hire a 81-year-old coach. I, I just don't see that happening, but you never know. I, mean, I guess there are, there's stranger things have happened. Uh, Rich Jr. here from Norfolk, uh, Scott and James. How do you guys think uh, the, the, about the coaching hire so far? Your thoughts as well as mesh together? If you don't, will Dan Quinn take care of issues as – as they arise, or like to have your thoughts on both of that. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you, Rich. Thank you. Uh, do I think he'll take care of issues as they arise? Yeah, I hope so, right? Supposedly this is the biggest strength of his, right, is, is, the, is the ability to bring people together. And I think he's one of those guys that if it's not working, he's not going to wait. He's going to fix it as quickly as possible. I don't see him dragging his feet 
like Rivera did. And I think that he's he has done a good job of going out and hiring guys that should be able to take care of their own business. And I, I, I do the one thing I love the most is the pairing of Cliff Kingsbury with with, with Anthony Lynn. I love getting those guys together. It's like, okay, maybe there's something lacking in Kingsbury's system in the run game here. Let's bring Anthony Lynn in, let these two minds work together, and mold something that's going to work for both of those areas. Of, of and here's what's wild, and I did not know this until recently, the two of them have actually had a long relationship, even though they haven't really, in the obviously in the professional level or recently, worked together. But if you go back some years, he's known Cliff Kingsbury, and they did work together at one point. So, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn, you know, had a lot of good things to say about Cliff Kingsbury, and he was uh, excited to be with him again. He said, uh, you know, he is a, he's happy to run the ball. Um, he says Kingsbury is, and he goes, don't let the spread fool you. He'll hand it off, and he goes, I'm going to be the run game coordinator, uh, but I'll be everything with, but it'll be everything with Cliff. He also said um, they've known each other since Texas Tech. So that's how, they, how, how far back they go. There you go. Calls him a humble man as well, so he doesn't try to make him – think he has all the answers was it um coach ronnie that said to us he goes he thinks cliff kingsbury gets a bad rap because he dresses well <laughs> i think that was coach ronnie yeah yeah you know he is kind of like a, he's a pretty guy right like so i, th- I think you know the, the kingsbury you know people kind of dogging for that and he had the best the best i mean the best covid pad ever i don't think that helped him either actually no it didn't help him, i think that, people was, a thought flex. Was, soft, that right? was a flex yeah yeah that was too much of a flex for most of america to handle at that time you know sitting at your kitchen table with your dog might have served him better like bill belichick <laughs> all right seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four all right billy Mann's going to join us here on site uh coming up at the uh, top of the hour talk some college hoops with them there's been some discussion we were talking earlier about the college football playoff you know college basketball's talking about getting bigger as well in the tournament, and I know this, for some people that's just a non-starter, but you got to look at the, the reality of how many teams are playing Division One basketball now and the amount of teams that actually get in to our current tournament to understand why there's probably a push for that. And, oh, yeah, money. Did I mention money? Well, did, did anybody always, mention money? always that. Did I mention money? Should I, I should have probably just led with money. That would probably be helpful as well. So uh, we'll get all that uh, with Billy plus, uh, you know, App State, no joke, team comes in here uh, well on their way. Uh, to the tournament with the way they've been playing to this point, but still got to finish it off. So we'll talk about that with him at the top of the hour. Uh, a little bit more in football at four on the other side here. Scott Jackson, show Priority on Sports Radio, 94.1, live from Chartway Arena here on Priority of Sports Radio, 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. The Scott Jackson Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. All right, we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law, coming at you from Chartway Arena. Uh, if you're coming out to the ODU App State game tonight, we are, like, literally as you empty the door, like, we're the two idiots with headsets on. The only ones, I think, we're the only idiots here with headsets on. I'm looking around. I think there's nobody else wearing headsets. We do stand out. Yeah, so it's kind of obvious, but, uh, you know, as you come in, you know, hang a right towards the Starbucks, we're... Ahead, of, but before that, you know, about three tables down. It's it's hard to miss us again. The only people talking on the radio. All right, we'll be here till uh, I don't know, like six twenty four ish or so before we hand over to Ted Alexander and uh, also Dennis Wolf. Toy to pregame show uh, for tonight's action. All right, so big news in Cincinnati. They're tearing out that horrific uh, slit film turf that uh, the NFL uh, teams have been complaining about. Well, the players have been complaining about the, the league. You know, is is not as sure about it as the NFLPA is. Even the NFL's uh, own data has shown that it has a higher rate of non-contact, lower 
uh, extremity injuries in the slit teal field turf over other synthetic surfaces. So teams have began eliminating it um, two years ago in 2023. Three such fields were taken away. Minnesota's U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, Indianapolis Lucas Oil Field, and now the Bengals' Paycor Stadium. I would have never guessed it was called Paycor Stadium. No, nope, wouldn't have gotten that one. I just thought it was the jungle. Back in the day, we just called it the jungle. Remember that, Cincinnati? Can't we just keep doing that? By the way, you think our Joe Burrow guy is going to text us now? Uh, anyway, uh, the <laughs> Vikings and Colts also announced that they're replacing their fields before the start of 2024. Now the Bengals are in. The Bengals in Hamilton County will install field turf core system in its place. That's the surface used in Atlanta, Carolina. By the way, how lazy is Carolina for not having just natural grass still? Uh, Detroit, New England, and uh, New York and Seattle. Hamilton County commissioners approved the plan on Thursday as part of a series of stadium improvements. Um, in a press release, neither uh, the Bengals nor um, the director of Pecor Stadium addressed why field turf is selected over natural grass, and the issue has become a hot topic between the NFL and the NFLPA. The NFLPA obviously has been asking all teams to go to grass fields after Aaron Rodgers towards Achilles last year at MetLife Stadium on the synthetic turf, which is supposed to be an improvement over the other previous crappy surface they had in New York. Um, and again, here's the little thing. People go, well, it's expensive. It's hard to do. Guess what they're going to do when the World Cup's here? They're yeah. going to put grass in New York. They're going to put – or, excuse me, New Jersey uh, for the Meadowlands or, you know, MetLife. They're going to do it. They're going to do it then. And – I know there's some feeling that, okay, well, this is more durable, this lasts longer. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you're going to have to spend a little bit more. But I don't know. If I was an owner, I'd be like, you know what? If my players are more comfortable on it and they want to be, you know, you know, they think it's safer, and we do have data that proves that the natural grass is safer in terms of these non-contact kind of like just fluky kind of things, I would think it would be worth the investment. But that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, I don't understand why we can't just all agree on this and make it happen. It just seems like a very simple thing that we could do, although I realize that there's cost involved there. Yeah, yeah it's a kind of a corner cutter in some cases. And look, it's um, there, there's no doubt there's a durability to it if it's a multi-surface field or multi-event field that why they do it this way. There are other stadiums, as we know, like um, the one in Arizona where you can roll out you know, turf when you need it and those kind of things, and not everybody has that technology in their stadiums because they're older, but, boy, it would be pretty cool if you could have that in more places uh, moving forward. But this, this, to me, is one of these things that um, where you know, if, you're, if you're the Players Association, and this always happens, they talk about it in between contracts. And then we get to contracts, this isn't really one of their talking points because it's usually the eyes on the bigger prize, which is the total revenue, um, you know, medical care and these other things, which are important, don't get me wrong, but it, it would be nice if, like, one year they could, like, really, when the time is right, kind of push this thing forward more. Now, it would be even better if, like, I don't know, the owners themselves would say, yeah, it's a good idea. But that's, that's clearly not going to happen anytime well, soon. Well, all you have to do is tell the other owners that they're less forward-thinking than the Bidwells, and then that might get some things going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how embarrassing is that? The Bidwells have out, out, uh, are outmaneuvering you guys. That's a fine point. That's about as embarrassing as yeah. It gets, no, that's so as low as it goes. You know, uh, you know it would have been like Dan's, just a thought. Yeah, since Dan Snyder's gone, I mean, they're they're in the group, right? They're in that list of uh, of the infamous group of bad owners that they are. Via the seven five seven, as much as this sounds intriguing and incredible, I feel that at least. Three-letter words uh, stop this. Age, talking about Jimmy, yeah, and ego. 
and football and the football ERA we are in, in the era that we are in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, nobody's really advocating for hiring you know eighty year old people. No, um, in a lot of walks of life. <laughs> <laughs> For that matter. Um, anyway, I feel Dan Quinn will woo a couple Cowboys defenders with him. Feel like uh, Jerron Curse is a lead candidate along uh, with Sam Williams. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I've looked at some of these lists, and I, I think we talked about Stephon Gilmore might make sense too for uh, Washington as well. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. That's not crazy. Not crazy at all. Not crazy at all. But yeah, I mean, look, I don't even know if Jimmy Johnson's interest. He likes to fish a lot. He likes to be uh, in the Florida Keys. I mean, he's got a pretty good. He's got a pretty good. I think Jimmy's found a good little niche for himself, and I don't think he really wants to sneak out of that. Yeah, there's no chance he's coaching again. But anyway, it would be funny though if Jerry decided to do that as his last hail mary, if you will, as the owner of the uh, of the Cowboys. All right, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. We'll talk a little uh, ODU hoops. Uh, they got App State tonight when Billy Mann joins us on the other side. I also want to get his take on the idea of the bigger uh, tournament, as so many have been uh, kicking around the idea of here as of late. So we'll uh, dive into that. Rich, Rich in Norfolk, thanks for answering my question. Well, that's what we do. That's why we have the text line, right? Isn't that part of the, the brainchild of the text line? Is that it? is part of the reason yeah. for it, yes. Yeah, I mean, if you cuss me out like a lot of you do, I, you, I might not read it on the air. Okay? We don't have to read all of those. <laughs> I don't, don't have to read all of them. We don't have that kind of time. I don't have time for all the hate mail, but uh, the ones that do come in, you know, rather at least, you know, in somewhat of a nice fashion, we'll talk to, talk to you. Uh, our poll question of the day in, in regards to college football playoff craziness, um, what is the ideal size uh, brought to you by Dominion Floor Coverings right now on the exit Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941? Right now, a lot of traditionalists, they like the 12th team. I don't know. Maybe we're just starting this 12th team. Let's give it a year <laughs> before we decide to change it. But, you know, ah. I'm, not a college, I'm not a college football commissioner, so I don't know how that works. But anyway, right now, 56.3% say 12 teams, 16 teams at 23.4. We've only, very little love for the 14-team thing, which they might go to in 2026 at 3.1 right now. And uh, the others at 17.2. 12th man says 12 to 16. I'm fine with it. So glad we're moving beyond the four. What took them so long? Um, others have said it really should be eight. Yeah, I mean, because there's probably, in most seasons, maybe six to eight teams you could talk yourself into. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I would say eight's pretty much the, yeah. the, the peak of, you know, really being able to contend. I think that's fair. All right, we'll take a timeout. James has got an update coming up on the other side. Billy Mann's going to join us uh, here uh, in a moment former Old Dominion standout, and now, of course, doing the games for many, many years on the ESPN Plus these last couple seasons with me. Come up next here, Scott Jackson, Show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident, call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. James Witham, Sky Sports Center.